0: Welcome to another episode of Health Creators. This is Liv, and I'm joined here today by Nicholas, founder and CEO of Formulator. So, today we're going to discuss can AI understand human psychology? But first of all, Nicholas, can you give us an elevator pitch for Formulator?
1: Yes, I can. Thank you, Liv, for, for, for having me here. So, Formulator is a service which is about producing an automated case formulation. Let me explain. Case formulation is the best evidence-based way of of understanding a person. So when you seek for help for mental health issues or psychosocial issues, the professional who helps you need, obviously, to understand you in terms Mm -hmm. of what's the presenting problem, what might be the underlying reasons for, for your challenges in your life, be it personally or within your social context. Yeah. So in order to, to understand the person, we help the professionals together with their client to get to that point faster, even before they meet. Conventional ways of, of understanding the person is obviously to meet, mm. to have sessions and discuss and elaborate and go further into producing, I now understand you, I can, so to say, formulate your case. Yeah. But that usually takes... Anything from two to five sessions. Yeah. So with our service now, which is sort of say available for the professionals, which they can use together with the clients, the client him or herself can do that conversation with our service and produce that case formulation in advance. So they have the kind of the full, in-depth psychological case description of the person before they meet, so they can directly go into the actual issues and they can understand what might be the root causes. And the professional can start immediately from the first session or from the first meeting to build valid hypotheses for how the care plan should mm. look like. So that's kind of the, 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 the service that we provide.
0: So the AI basically understands um, the person's kind of uh, mental health history. Um, and the maybe root causes that could be causing that and then suggest to the um, therapist, um, essentially, um, options?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say that the AI understands the person. AI is a component in our service in order to produce Mm -hmm. a very, so to say, good user experience so that the conversation flows in an empathic and safe way. That's how we use AI mostly now. In terms of getting into the, the root causes, the psychological reasons, and the mm. aspects of psychology, and one needs to sort of say understand as, a, as the professional, we use a lot of sort of say root uh, rule-based uh, uh, um, diagnostics in order to understand. So we, yeah. we ask in the conversation the person that could you, in your own words, describe what is the challenge that you're currently having, and then we dig in deeper in kind of Asking clarifying questions: Does this occur, or are mm. you having any symptoms of this? So we do sort of say, kind of, quote unquote, also diagnostics. Yeah. And the AI component is mostly to sort of make sure that the conversation flows naturally and it keeps the kind of the, mm. the client engaged in the conversation, so that the client actually uh, would would experience the conversation to be a good one yeah so we don't want to use ai now to, so to say draw conclusions or draw d- draw diagnostics or draw any sort of say clear clear so of say uh, um, suggestions on, on what your actual re- co- cause of issue is or to give you very precise that do this or do that don't do that because that's what the professional need to do mm. so we're combining so to say the best of two worlds you have the machine which yeah. is quick and precise and accurate and can do very much of that So sort of say if i say cumbersome labor of gathering information and then you have the professional with the human skills to actually do the reflection and the kind of the empathic care so we, that's what we want to do, combine the best of two worlds
0: so when we talk about can ai understand human psychology do you think that we're far from that now
1: That's a good question. It's kind of everything is always relative to to what do you compare it to. I would say that if if we kind of look backwards in terms of how machine learning and AI and and, uh, large language models have improved massively, I would Mm -hmm. say that AI as a methodology and technology has progressed hugely. Mm. But can, can you so today, find a, either a service or an application, a methodology mm. that you would just kind of use to explain me? No. It can assist in kind of gathering information. It can assist yeah. you in, so to say, let me perhaps be clearer. If you have something which is where you have a very precise challenge, let's say you have a kind of a very clear uh, phobia. Mm. or a certain kind of clear social anxiety issue, then AI can give you very precise, say, recommendations in terms of do this or or, or try that or or, uh, kind of educate and and, and train and and help people to be more skillful in coping and such. But I wouldn't say that AI can help you reflect,
0: Mm. which
1: is what we humans do. We reflect on ourselves, we reflect on ourselves in relation to other people, in relation to, to, to uh, uh, matters of importance. As, and that's where AI really can't help us yet.
0: On the, on the reflection side. Mm, exactly. Um, and just to, to kind of take a couple steps back. Mm. So you're, you did a PhD in psychology mm. um, in sadomasochism. Mm. Um, and then went and worked at a couple of corporate organizations. Mm. Um, what were your learnings from from you know taking your PhD and then maybe like looking at human psychology from a behavioral standpoint? Mm.
1: I think that anyone who has sort of say merited him or herself more in the academics know that there are some some general skills and expertise that comes with doing a PhD. Kind mm-hmm. of the appreciation for, for the academics. Yeah. Appreciation of what is science and what is not science.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because many people unfortunately still kind of are confused between research and science. And and, and I won't go into any, any lecture in terms of what is science and what is research. Mm-hmm. But perhaps that kind of is the 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 the, the most i say important learning you get from doing a PhD in whatever topic you do a PhD. Yeah. You, you, you learn the methodology, you, you learn how to read science, you learn how to apply science, and you, you learn how to think in scientific terms. Mm. Then comes the question, how do you apply it? And where do you apply it? So I think that people who have done their PhD in some topic, yes, some stay on that topic for, for decades and have become really, really good at that topic. And some people just do their PhD in some, some, mm, with some subject, but then they move on to others. But they apply the same yeah. knowledge and learning and techniques and uh, appreciation of, of w- what is really science and what is not science. Yeah. So I think that for me, it's kind of, I did my PhD with the understanding that I won't be an academic. Mm. But I wanted to kind of excel myself in the kind of the, 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 the disciplines of science, which I can then utilize, for example, today.
0: But do you feel like, um, you know, that you you gained like a new level of understanding yes. on, on psychology yes, and human psychology yeah. through working at? Um, you said Nokia and
1: IBM and PwC, so yeah. large global organizations. Yeah.
0: Because at these larger companies, I guess there's a lot of like interpersonal um, relationships and. Um, organizational structures Indeed. that kind of define yeah. how people act and make decisions.
1: I don't know about you because you're also uh, into business but I would say that, that any business any mm-hmm. organization would benefit if people in at least leading leading positions would have a better appreciation of psychology mm. because it's all about applying psychology in the dynamics between people, in decision-making,
0: yeah. in
1: understanding what are our abilities to, to process information,
0: yeah.
1: how do we actually interact with each other, what causes issues in interaction between people, how um, faulty we are in terms of biases and, and, yeah. and, and distorted thinking. So, And when you think about it, Businesses are always about people. I have yet not seen a business which is without people. Yeah. So all that applying psychology into, you can, there's infinite opportunities to be a bit more smarter if you would be able to apply psychology. So coming back to your question that obviously when you sort of say excel in in your academic career, for example, in in psychology and go beyond the master's, you learn a lot of, so to say, also Mm. more about the, the general principles of, of psychology, which you then apply.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like there are so many different nuances to how people behave. And bring us back to, can AI understand human psychology? Um, I think AI is really good at um, looking at data mm. that has already happened and mm. being able to predict um, what will happen next Mm. Um, but in some ways even though you know we've existed for quite some time and in a way some behaviors are are definitely not new right Mm -hmm. Um, human behavior and psychology is is very unpredictable
1: yeah it it is fascinating that 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 it's almost like let's not get too philosophical but will we ever learn to observe ourselves and learn about ourselves completely. Because we are the subject of psychology and we mm. are the object at the same point. So, I, I lost myself in my thought here in terms of, yes, we do have... I usually kind of look at being human is that there, there's a large degree of, of us which has its roots in evolution yeah which are kind of biologically founded Mm -hmm. we have a physiology which kind of um, rules a lot of what we do yeah because it's evolutionary kind of triggered it's evolutionary designed to keep us alive and to make sure that we can so to say scan our environment and take good decisions on what what is threatful and what is good for us and so a lot of our behavior stems from the pure biologics Mm. But then because we are humans and we have evolved to become conscious and aware, and we can use imagination, so therefore we become also very complex and Mm. complicated. So therefore we can never probably ever predict completely what you think or what will happen next. I could say with some likelihood that if I would know you more, that perhaps I could say that, okay, perhaps there are some kind of general behavioral patterns that you you usually Mm. follow. But I could never say that I know you and I will exactly know how to what happens next in your choices and, and your behavior. So I think it's kind of fascinating that we, I think we can help because just out of statistics and kind of general understanding of human behavior, we, we yet today cannot say that we completely can model it or predict it.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think it's also about the edge cases, um, which brings me into an interesting question for formulator, right? Mm. Because, you know, how, how well an AI model performs is really the edge cases. It's, um, what happens when things go wrong, because what happens when things go wrong and there's a human there is, you know, I might not deal with the situation perfectly, but, um, you know, I sort of know what to say right Mm. Um, so what happens when um, you know I'm a person I'm talking to your AI I'm trying to tell them my story Mm. and things just go horribly wrong
1: Mm. exactly exactly and uh, just because of that reason I come back to what I said earlier I don't think that today should one uh, alone uh, trust a machine yeah so therefore I think that It's wiser and smarter that we still today, when we try to help people psychologically, should combine machine with a human interface. (laughs) I hate hate that word, but, but a human. Because it's another human who can then, so to say, understand the nuances, see perhaps that, okay, the machine produced some ridiculous... Uh, interpretations or, or whatever, can correct, can can adjust, can be more precise, can deal with all that which is being human, being a bit messy, yeah. non-logical, uh, confused with emotions, distorted in thinking, which, which the machine yet can't. So again, we come back to the point that I think that the hybrid model of, of, of using machine when where the machine is good, and then allow the person, the professional, to be the other side, which is the, the, the reflective, the the, the, the empathic, uh, the one who kind of helps in dealing with the nuances that the machine can't deal with.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, do you, are you using GPT now?
1: Not in our uh, product now. No, but no. in
0: your in your daily life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, use GPT mm. to ask it to help me mm. text a, a boy, mm. a guy. Um, and it does not understand the nuances of no. the conversation no. at no. all. No. So um, I, I feel like um, there's just so much nuance to it, right? Because um, especially when we're dealing with human psychology, it's like I say one thing, but my intention is another Um, but the outcome I want is another. And how do you factor all of those pieces in when, um, you know, building a solution that deals with human psychology and especially with patients? Exactly. And I think
1: you you kind of now open up something which is Mm. really, really important. is that one could say that being human is being in a relationship to something, Mm -hmm. to another person, to a context, whatever. And the machine can yet not be in that dialogue. So Mm -hmm. the machine can't be in a dialogical relationship with you. It it can only produce kind of linear, one-dimensional. It can predict that, okay, what happens next? But because we are sitting here, and I now react to what you say, also unconsciously, you give me signals which make me feel and think something. And that is something that the machine can't even yeah. understand. It can't, can't even comprehend what that is. So therefore, we humans uh, come back to why I think that in, in psychology or psychosocial uh, uh, aspects that we, we, most of us have is that that reflective relational part, being in dialogue with something, is where we need the human.
0: Yeah. I mean, because even when I think about, like, taking... Um like a case, right, Um, and a patient is trying to um, explain their condition, you know, what if the patient wants the uh, physician to believe they have a specific um, condition in order to, you know, get a prescription for something? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not uncommon. I Mm -hmm. mean, it happens with humans all the time as well, right? Um, you know, I could easily go to a psychiatrist in um, a country where it's legal and um, tell them I have insomnia for the purposes of getting cannabis. Um, how, how do we detect um, th- that intent, intent? yeah, in, in those edge cases?
1: Exactly. So I mean, I don't have an answer to you. In, 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 can we even detect that with, with machines? Mm. So therefore, I think that
0: because b- can humans even detect it? Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so
1: therefore, therefore, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ma- machines probably can't make a judgment calls. They can't sort of say uh, conclude on 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 intent or, yeah. or anything of that, which is kind of which we humans use oral senses.
0: I do think so, right? Because if I was a type of person who was just collecting pills, mm. um, no matter, like outside of what I'm saying, the healthcare professional probably would detect it, right? Somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: So, 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 yeah, I think that, that most of trained professionals have, uh, by training, that skill to kind mm. of uh, understand that this person in question now might have other motivations which are not present in her, in her oral uh, statements of why, mm. in her kind of own given motivations, that there might be something else. So the, again, humans are still the best mean to understand that there might be discrepancies, there might yeah. be uh, dual motivations, there might be that you're saying something to me which you actually think it's good for you, but with my understanding and my knowledge and my training, I I perhaps have another opinion, Mm. uh, which is based on evidence and research, why don't we talk about that? Uh, It's all that kind of more complex analysis of being human. Again, the machine still can't really cope with that.
0: Is the idea that then you basically bring this case to a physician um, or a psychologist or a, psychologist or a psychologist. psychotherapist or, yeah. um, and then they do the inference yeah. um, and then you can learn how they do the inference? Uh,
1: we don't obviously kind of monitor mm-hmm. the, 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 the professionals in, in their practice and how they actually then, so to say, go about their care plan with, with the individual. So we, mm-hmm. we, we can't say about that. But you're right in that that what we do is that we produce really important information, which is the basis for the professional to start drawing some Mm. directional thinking that, okay, Liv is now here with me. This is what she's saying. This is how she experienced it. And, and this is how she herself tried to cope with it. Okay, I think I get a feel and start building some hypothesis for what might be the, the, the path uh, going yeah. forward together and, and how I can help her. Uh, and, and we obviously mutually agree that would this be a meaningful objective for our working together. And then we agree on that. And then we have a kind of a, uh, a plan going forward. So. Yeah, we're not monitoring the the, the professional in in, in how they actually then on what modalities and what techniques they use. But Mm. we want to provide meaningful psychological information that kind of gives them both a very uh, informative starting point. And then they together validate that the information that has been produced by the machine is good and meaningful and it kind of describes to the to the best possible accuracy, that this is, yes, this is why I'm here with now.
0: Got it. And uh, what led you to build this company? Um, you mentioned earlier that uh, one of your co-founders is your wife. Um, yeah, that must be a really cool journey building that together.
1: It is, it is. We, we're kind of four, four founders. And um, and it all started with, yes, my wife has has spent 25 years helping people in psychotherapies. She has been very uh, um, good in, in, in research. Uh, she educates people in, in psychotherapy and, and evidence-based methods. And we, we, four of us, started to think that, is there something we could do? Uh, because um, now I have to kind of expand here that for the, for the listeners is that, that there is obviously this huge psychosocial crisis that is mm. around us in the world. Why are so many people in need of help? Yeah. And that's what kind of started us thinking about, hey, there has to be something by which we can help the situation. And number one, we, we, we concluded that there are evidence-based practices that need to be more widely understood. And that's Mm. all about the case formulation. Is that there there are certain ways to to capture a person uh, so that you can be more impactful in the care that you then provide. Yeah. So that was number one. But then we thought, but that's not enough to just kind of go and educate all the professionals on, on how to do case formulation in the best possible way. We wanted to also put it into a a, a means, a machine, so that we can scale it Mm -hmm. to more, so that the professionals can meet more people, providers of help can meet more people, and people Mm -hmm. who seek help would get faster access to help. So that's why we combined case formulation as the psychological evidence-based methodology together with machine, and that brought us to think, let's build formulators.
0: And um, you probably get asked this a lot, but how is it working with your wife and being co-founders? Do you find it difficult to um, kind of split the time between you know, work and life?
1: That's an excellent question. Uh, I, I do would say that anyone who thinks about it uh, should kind of reflect on it because yeah. there are benefits. In kind of mm-hmm. knowing each other and no, knowing yeah. how the other thinks and no, knows where the other person's values are and what's important for the other person mm. and, and all, all that but it also puts a bit of strain because when yeah. you run a business a business is full of issues yeah. problems complications etc so it has both sides. It has the kind of the, the, the good sides of being very close and, and, and knowing your partner, i.e. business partner, but it also puts a bit of a strain on, 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 on dealing with matters which are kind of in the business.
0: Um, and I guess both of you have backgrounds in psychology, yeah. so probably like the communication part of, of that equation has been, you know, pre-established. Like, were there some ground rules you had to lay out? Yeah,
1: that's good. I think I, <clears throat> without, sort of say, giving praise to myself and my wife here, but <laughs> but I do think that it, it has worked quite well because we do, so of say, invest in our mutual communication, in our relationship, yeah. in, in being good at dealing with conflicts. Mm. So where I wouldn't call it ground rules, but we have invested in it. And I think that anyone, ac- actually, you don't have to be married, but if you want to work with someone close, yeah. I think the same rules apply. You, you do need to, so to say, have that relationship of trust, yeah. transparency, respect. So um, otherwise it doesn't work. Mm. Because I think that it c- comes back to some of these golden rules of 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 startup and startups and do you have a founder match yeah i mean do you actually sort of say work well together and 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 can build on each other and and have so to say um yeah skills that sort of say uh, what do you call it are
0: complementary exactly thank you I mean, I guess in that sense, doing a company with your, um, wife probably is a big, um, like, what's it called when you mitigate risk, right? Because like co-founder breakup is probably one of like the biggest reasons, um, startups fail, but uh, unless you're, unless you're an Iraqi marriage, it's actually it's probably a good thing because you have like an added layer of like reason why you'd stay together and work through things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, but it all comes down to actually. I don't think that the being in business together uh, is the key reason. I think that before that, you have to feel safe in your relationship. Mm. And then you can sort of take that challenge of going into business together. So if the, yeah. if the foundation, if the basis is solid and it's respectful, uh, trustworthy, uh, then I think you can sort of manage yeah. that.
0: And for the both of you, was this both the first time that you'd um, started a company? No,
1: my, my wife has been an entrepreneur all her oh, really? adult life. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: so that's helpful. Yeah. Um, And um, but this is your your first startup. Um, What do you think is the number one thing you've learned to do and what you would recommend someone to do as a founder CEO? And how did you learn it? What was the story behind it?
1: That's a really good question. I I think that since I spent, what, 20 years in corporates, Mm. helping corporates become better at managing their organization, managing their people developing people, leading people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now I then was there being a CEO and now I had to actually live it all, all that which I had sort of done for others. The thing is, perhaps my so I said, number one lesson is actually exactly that kind of building relationships mm. with first with your founders, then with the team, make sure that ways of working practices that you so to say follow day to day yeah are such that they allow people to feel safe yeah allow people to be the best they can be without fear allow them to be creative innovative fearless mm-hmm. so that is kind of really so of say what i'm perhaps trying to say that that Use time and give attention to relationships.
0: Okay. And um, I'm going to ask you the opposite question now. So what is the number one thing not to do when being a founder CEO? And tell me the the gossip, the story behind it. I want to know.
1: I probably haven't come up with anything kind of worth the Nobel Prize here but but don't think that you actually know the answer. With that yeah. I mean that I don't know how many times during what yeah. the, the now formula that has been in, so to say in place operationally what two years now, how many times have I been wrong? <laughs> with kind of, I, I started off with, I have a clear conviction that this is yeah. the way it is and, and, and my thinking is correct and my hypothesis is right. And and, mm. uh, and at some point you just realize, no, it's not right. So kind of that flexibility and yeah. ability to adjust, not perhaps do a kind of radical pivot every second week, Mm -hmm. but kind of being flexible and nimble enough to kind of correct yourself and be able to to, to listen to sometimes even rather weak signals that, hey, hey, this is perhaps not really now showing us that that our assumption was correct. Yeah. And uh, having said that, it obviously brings that kind of the related factor is that you never feel very so say, confident. Mm. It's really difficult to feel kind of, mm. I get it now, I know it. Because you have to be so to say, able to adjust and correct all the time. So errors will happen and they happen very fast and very frequently in the yeah. beginning. And, and how do you deal with that and how do you so to say, not get too so to say, oh, crushed by Again, I, was I wrong?
0: Is what so? So you would recommend, um, basically, just knowing. Don't 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 get hung up on the yeah. r- the right, or don't get hung up on your answer being the right answer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because
1: it's kind of that you, you you may appreciate that that there's a kind of this. On one hand, I think that mm. all founders have a very strong conviction in that they yeah. want to do something really meaningful here, and that conviction usually makes people very blind. Yeah, you kind of very one-sided that hey, I will go through stone and fire because I'm convinced that this is has, this is what we have to do. Yeah, but you can't sort of say solely rely on that because you have to actually listen to information and data coming at you mm. all the time and be able to navigate. So being convinced and being sort of driven. But at the yeah. same time being able to be nimble and, and uh, able to adjust. Yeah. So it's kind of a it is a, it is a tall order but yeah.
0: have you had a situation where you were just like 100% convinced about something and then it turned out to be like 100% wrong?
1: Not perhaps 100% wrong but, but <laughs> 50% <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yes I do think that but, but uh, so far thank god yeah. Uh, no no drastic mistakes so that we all oh, go, go bankruptcy or something. But mm. but kind of, yes, you, you have gone months into thinking that this is the way we need to build a product, yeah. these are the features, these are the functionalities. And then customer or professional or expert feedback says no. And then, oh. and then you think that, oh, we lost just five months or six months doing that. Oh,
0: uh, gosh. So yeah. you then
1: kind of again, but yeah. That comes back to being able to be attentive to information which is meaningful.
0: I see. And, like, I guess in that um, phase of reaching product market fit, um, that's kind of where you have to be in those, in in like the the customer iteration cycles. And, um, you know, I guess coming from a big company, how long did it take you to? basically readjust readjust your um, process, right, of, of building a company. Because I guess building a pre-product market fit company into a product market fit is very different than having a post-product ma- market fit um, yeah. corporation that you work in. Yeah.
1: And this is, again, probably something that the, the, the scholars would could help us debate, where are we at the moment? Yeah. Are we complete 100% product market fit, or are we still kind of finding... A, I think we, we, we have a commercial product, Yeah. so we, we, we're selling, we, we, we're serving customers. But I do think that we still need to have that, so to say, ability to, to, to readjust mm. features, functionalities, experience, messaging, what have you. So I think that the, the ultimate product market fit probably will, so to say, yeah. gradually evolve. But I do think that the current commercial product that we have is good for market. Yeah. But I hope that we can even become better in responding to the different nuances in how the customers will use our product. Mm. So the use cases will uh, educate us in terms of how we should uh, fix some of the content, fix some of the kind of how we report on it and, and how we bring, so to say, yeah. perhaps analytics about it and, and so forth. So.
0: Yeah, I, I know this talk was about, can AI understand um, human psychology? I think um, our conclusion is probably that for now, AI will be more of a facilitator yes. here. Um, so taking what a human can do um, in, in improving someone's psyche and um, empowering them to uh, do that better. Um, With that in mind, uh, I'd love to ask you our final question. Um, What is the number one impact you want to leave on the world with Formulator?
1: I will give you two aspects to that question. I would be really happy and pleased if in a couple of years, we would have made a significant mark into the professional community that they do case formulations more Mm -hmm. and use that as the principal way of understanding a person. And secondly, I would be really pleased if clients, actual consumers, would say that Formulator is a tool and a device that actually helped me understand myself.
0: So in addition to the Health Creators community, you'll also find everything you need on healthcreators.co. That includes our educational tracks, vendor selection tools, CRO databases, and even which investors you should be talking to. When you log into healthcreators.co, you'll also have direct access in your route for clinical development and a bunch of other resources you need to build better companies in healthcare.